0: Hello and welcome back here to another episode of Known to Ramble Noir. Today we break down the craziness that has happened with the U.S. Men's National Team and all the chaos and fallout since the Qatar World Cup. We dive into Greg Berhalter, we dive into Gio Reyna, and we dive into the entire Reyna family. We also discuss how this will fully affect the U.S. Men's National Team going forward and what it means for future coaching prospects. So sit back and join us for another episode of Known to Ramble Noir. All right, Gotti, well, after a little bit of a hiatus, we are back today with our second episode in our noir uh, series uh, where we kind of dive into the morally ambiguous things that can happen in sports and this time we're hitting something that hits a little too close to home and it fits into the to the world cup that we just had our first episode was about Qatar if you haven't listened to that make sure you go back and check that one out Uh, but all of a sudden uh, the the scandals and the the kind of seediness started to pop up in our own U.S. men's national team yeah and it
1: came from maybe a place we didn't expect maybe we thought turmoil would be coming from different places but the team looked good they played really well it was this weird kind of injury that popped out of left field that started from there and then it's ballooned into something massive that for to be honest has completely changed the face of U.S. men's national soccer
0: so going into this world cup, me and Gotti spoke on it several times. We talked about the roster, all that kind of stuff. And one thing that he and I both kind of agreed on is one of the brightest young stars in U.S. men's national, uh, in the entire U S men's national team is Gio Reyna. And we expected him to play a really big part. Um, you know, we both saw him as someone who could be a real playmaker for him. And, uh, yeah going into this part of it i thought uh I, I thought tyler adams would be important which he ended up being but i did i honestly thought Gio Reyna was gonna have to be huge for us if we were gonna be able to advance or do any of that stuff well then we get to guitar and all of a sudden through the first game we geo's not starting um we're, we're thinking maybe he's not maybe he's not quite fit he has been dealing with hamstring injuries for the last You know, basically two years, he's had hamstring injuries on and off and he's kind of been dealing with that. So maybe he's not fully fit because he he hadn't played a game for his club team. Dortmund, not not yet. He had not yet played a game all season, but um, a lot of people were saying that that was because he was kind of holding himself out, you know, because to get fully fit so that at the World Cup he could play. Reports from Gio Reyna, whenever they'd ask him, he'd say he's fit, you know, but that's what every player is going to do. They always want to get on the pitch uh but that's kind of what i was thinking you know maybe they're seeing him in practice he's not fully fit maybe they feel he can come on and be a little bit more of a spark as a sub and so first game comes on very late as a sub doesn't do much second game doesn't start again you and I are then wondering, like, what is Berhalter doing? <laughs> like, this is this is a crime, you know? Like, well, ah, we're, we're both freaking out. Meanwhile, I'm on FIFA trying to put Gio Reyna on every team that I have, trying to, you know, live vicariously through that. And then uh, we get to the third game. Still not starting. I do believe he came on, as again, uh, as a sub in the third game. But at this point, it's kind of becoming pretty obvious that Gio is not going to be a factor at this World Cup. What were you thinking throughout all of this? Just as far as his playing time, are you thinking at this point, you know, something weird has got to be up? There's something, there must be something between him and the coach, or are you thinking more, you know, it's got to be an injury. It's got to be, he's just not physically fit to play the whole match. What What's going through your mind at that time? I assume there
1: was definitely some ideas where Burr was making decisions based on favorites. I assumed it was much more a coddling of a kid. He knew I never went the opposite route where it was something that he was trying to keep geo out of it. I thought the opposite. In fact, I thought Burr his history of knowing this kid, knowing the rain he was trying to maybe keep the kid from coming out and getting hurt during the world cup.
0: So you were thinking maybe he didn't want to like overexpose him almost.
1: Yeah. And I also think he was thinking that for Jesse and some of the other younger players True. yeah, because okay. we came from a very interesting perspective of wanting to see uh, the, kids play. the kids play. We thought Jesse Jesus Ferrer would be honestly starting at the world cup. The fact that he didn't even play was a big shock to me personally. And I thought that was a bigger statement at the moment than really what was going on with Gio. When things got crazy was when reports happened of well, why'd you play Jordan Morris? Why'd you not? Play this why did you start um uh the ford's name is leaking me uh who's the the backup ford who started the fourth game was where did that come from yeah you know um there was a lot of questions we'd argued before then about burr halter's top line i mean we didn't even know if they're going to do a three three are they going to do what he's traditionally done up top i mean going into the world cup i don't know if anyone knew what burr halter was going to do so his choices seemed
0: irrational all the way through, even though we did well, we got through. So look, let me stop you there and ask you that. At following, following all of this, I, you know, it's been documented our frustrations with Berhalter in some situations. But I think both of us at the end of it also felt like he did deserve his flowers. He was able to, I mean, not everybody can pull together a team especially with this many young kids and get them to buy in the way that he absolutely got them to buy in and i felt like by the end of it not that i not that you you or i felt burr halter should necessarily get another contract or anything like that but we both felt like that dude should ride off into the sunset and he should he should be looked back fondly as a guy who set up the u.s men's national team for its next uh kind of that next phase he helped them kind of push through an era where they kind of had that somewhat big breakthrough moment of kind of getting back to where they were and uh and like he deserves credit for that i think that's kind of where i sat at the end of all this and then as we're kind of going through more of what's happening uh we get to the end of qatar and i think everybody's happy um You know, every uh, all the all the players are talking about. You know how much the how much of a great locker room it was to be in, and how everybody was buying in, and you know they love this group of guys. We see the 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 video of Polisic. You know, after he's gotten back to the hotel before everybody else because he had to go to the hospital get to get checked out, but he got back before the team, and he's the one filming everybody coming in, and they're freaking out, and it's just like it looks like the team is totally bought in. They're enjoying it. It's then very very interesting that within a week within two weeks right after uh the world cup we get some kind of weird news coming out of a, a leadership conference that greg berhalter was asked to talk at and at this leadership conference uh berhalter um basically he's kind of he you know he's trying he's trying to talk about how how did How to handle
1: certain talents was one of the things he was talking about. Yeah, he was talking
0: about how to to, um, uh, be a leader among, uh, you know, a younger workforce kind of type thing. And uh, so he was speaking in broad terms, did not use any names, but by the end of his story, it's very obvious who he's talking about. And he basically says a story of we had a player who going into the World Cup, I made it known to him that he would not really be uh featured as much as he was thinking he would be and he would basically he was not he was not going to be playing he would be coming on as a sub uh but i i wanted to give him the heads up about this and He did not handle it very well between a few friendly matches. You know, he's kind of loafing on the field during practice. He's really lollygagging so much to the point where we, as a coaching staff, had to have, have an honest conversation about whether or not to send him home from guitar, but instead, and this was the point that he used as like the teaching moment. He said, but instead we then took our young leadership committee. We talked to them about what they wanted to do and they wanted to approach the player, talk it out with him, see if they could all get on board that's what we did we we let the you know we kind of handled it with the young leadership committee we felt like that was a good way to handle it and the player agreed he said that he, he hadn't been playing as well as he could and uh he bought in from there and you know we had no problems from that point on that's kind of the story that Burhalter said well the moment he says that story everybody knows exactly who he's talking about it's Gio Reyna. not to mention that during Qatar in the middle of this, we get a nice little report from a reporter. I don't, you might know his name, uh, who is good friends with Claudio Reyna, uh, Gio Reyna's dad. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like Claudio was kind of venting one night to this reporter, kind of about how my son's not getting playing time. He's being told he's not getting playing time. The coach doesn't like him, blah, blah, blah. The reporter then kind of runs with that story, puts it out, um, and it.
1: Let's uh, stop there. Okay, okay. Because from there, reports start coming from a different groups of people. That leadership committee is looked back on, and the questioning of who is on the youth leadership for the team. Those players are, have not really been fully announced, but I think we can kind of pull from who we see on the team. Tyler, I think, is the name that everyone needs 100%. to think about. Yeah, I think Tyler's probably the reason why Gio
0: didn't leave. I think Tyler's one hundred percent the reason that. I think Burrhalter trusted Tyler enough to talk to Gio. And I think Gio trusted Tyler enough to trust, to buy in and everything. I very much believe that Tyler Adams is he's, he's the head that the kept saving grace. Cool. Let's, let's call him that And not only on the pitch,
1: but certainly in what seems like a much more volatile back room than we and ever should knew be
0: every American's favorite soccer player right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. I mean, I love Tyler. Let's tap that break. Um, But i think there is an importance to tyler probably went to him and said look dude just chill have fun enjoy this when you get back to dortmund just do what you do and let's fast forward what is he doing right now dominating dominating and he is making some gestures after goals that are changing the the narrative completely
0: i think i think what tyler kind of said to him was he was like this is not this is to us for our generation this is not the world cup where we're going to dominate we're going to win that's not what this is about this is about us all getting the experience and us all learning if you go home how's that good for you in four years are we're going to trust you if you leave now
1: exactly. is i think the statement that was maybe not 100%. stated but i think it was believed in the sense that if you look at the talent level geo might be pushed out anyways And that is a statement that is very difficult to imagine just a year ago looking at how good Gio is. I don't know if that'll happen because I think he's that amazing. But to kind of dive back timing-wise and to give it a little bit more structure of maybe why this has imploded so quickly and when we get to the second half of this podcast about how quickly things started to fire off. The fallout, if you will. The history behind the this group of national team you're you're talking about the end of the jürgen klinsman era, which he came in as this breath of fresh air he was different than bruce arena and the old guard of american soccer he was a a player's player he was a ford he was a goal scorer he was played in the world cup he you know had had lifted trophies he was a a leader he was a horrible manager as far as american soccer yeah i was i'm curious uh There was a personal implosion of the team. There was a changing of the guard. There was a superstar in Landon Donovan that maybe didn't live up to the hype who didn't even necessarily showcase European soccer glory. You had a figure like Clint Dempsey come out of left field and showcase that you can find talent in the middle of nowhere, middle of Texas, for instance, and turn out to be probably the most honest, truthful goal scorer up until this group of kids we've seen. Um, But the men's national team was in turmoil. They wanted to get away from Jurgen, and Ernie Stewart was brought in, ironically by Jay Burhalter was a part of the committee that brought him in, Jay's Greg's brother. So there's this inner group that is, has ties back to Bruce Arena, to the old guard. These guys all played together. These guys played together for teams outside of America. Burhalter was in Germany. He was in uh, the Dutch League. So was Ernie, so was Claudio. I mean, all these guys played together. Tab was everywhere. Tab was part of the, the under teams. He's known half these kids his whole t- career. Um, there's so many, like, inner workings of what was going on. Burhalter took over a team that in two years did not make the World Cup. It was these bunch of kids when they were really young and kind of the remaining veterans like Josie and some of the older guard that were just not up to par. They were starting to lose their jobs even in the MLS. Um, Berhalter took over a really crap situation and turned it around. He looked very good after we kind of recovered what we did in the Gold Cup, what we did in South America, what we've done uh, when we faced Mexico. Uh, some of the greatest triumphs have happened because of Greg Berhalter. There's little doubt that he will go down with Bruce Arena as the best American coaches we've had. I think he's done better than what Bob Bradley did, certainly better than Jurgen. Does he have the legacy of what Bruce? No, because there are teams that made it far into the World Cup under Bruce and under those guys, under Steve. Oh, there, there's, a, there's a legacy of the 90s crew into the 2000s. But as far as stability, I think Greg Berhalter has been a shining light up until these last six months. And that leadership comment, there were two things that came out of it. One, that he did not want to play Geo that that was his decision from the very beginning. I don't think any of us knew that. I don't think any of us realized he went into the world cup with players. He knew he wasn't going to play. Is that the right thing to do? I don't know. Maybe it was a smart thing. He would also talk about depth and wanting to play a bunch of different guys. He didn't follow up on that. I don't know how much of that happened because of what he saw in the reaction from players, or if he just decided, I've got to go with the true cut 18 guys I can trust. How much of that is the leadership of the players, too? I don't know. How much is Tyler involved? Tyler was named captain for this World Cup. He was not captain prior to that. So there's a statement in that. I remember I brought that up. What does Kristen think of this? He was carrying that armband. He obviously was okay with it. Um, you got a player like Weston. you got a player like Serginio who are kind of outside that group of people and are their own superstar status. Are they going to be taken care of? They obviously were. I mean, Weston came in like he was pro the team and wanted to play there. He played his heart out. Uh, Sergio was maybe the best player at the world cup for us. Um, what we saw on the pitch was remarkable. When you look at the second half of the thing that he admitted that that kid, whoever that kid was, we know probably Gio, caused the team to want to send him home. What was the turmoil going on that we weren't privy to? And I don't think that was seen by anyone. I don't think grant when he was over there reporting before his tragic death, I, none of that stuff was reported back. Roger with men in Blazers certainly wasn't reporting that stuff. He was still talking about Pulisic not being able to play at Chelsea. He didn't care about the U.S. men's national team. There are so many weird things that happened in a couple of weeks that have completely unearthed the whole system.
0: I think it's one of those things that's fascinating because you don't, you don't see this entire kind of thing bubbling under the surface and – then whenever it kind of all breaks through, it it just kind of all boils over, leaving so much in its wake. And you're like, how could we not have seen this or known anything about this? And then uh, also to your point, whenever you're saying, you know you don't think that anybody knew about it as far as like even the reporters that are over there in the room, uh, it really feels like they had done such a good job of keeping this as an in-house problem. And like there's so many teams that, pride themselves on keeping things in house you know never throwing players under the bus how many times do you see coaches like for instance with basketball teams at press press conference be like no it's on me no it's on me like that's kind of the thing and so for him at a leadership conference to then be basically doing the number one thing that like players are against like don't take stuff that's in the locker room out of the locker room that that was a big no-no on Greg. Whether he kind of deserves everything that kind of all the fallout that happens after it, I don't. I, we'll get into that, but for it, I would say that it does start there. Like you know, people will point at Gio and say that it starts with him. It starts with his actions. He's also a 19-year-old kid. Like part of you being a coach is you're there to build these young men into into men. Like that's part of it. And so he, whenever. Uh, he's then, you know, kind of doing that. I mean, throughout this process, I'm sure Gio learned a lesson. I'm sure Gio learned something. And for the, him then to take that and almost negate that lesson that he learned or negate what he was trying to teach him, like, do you think after that moment Gio, Gio would, has any kind of respect for Burhalter? Like, even if he didn't have res- uh, full, a full respect for him, he probably at least was like, you know, he is the coach of the U.S. men's national team. He did put me on the team and he didn't have to. I, I got to stay, you know, Tyler, Tyler helped me get to stay. But the moment that that happens, I think that that's kind of a burned bridge that it's hard to go back from.
1: It also depends on how much he's listening to two other people in his ear that are very close to him. That's true. Importantly, his dad, um, I, Claudio's had a history of being very, uh, open about where his son's place should be on this team in, um, in the American soccer world. Um, Claudio knows his son's badass. Claudio was badass. Let's be honest about it. If we're looking back at this group of people and we want to talk about the best American players, Claudio Reyna is in that top three ar- argument. I don't care what player combo you're talking about. Claudio was a badass. He was a hell of a lot better than Greg. Now, Greg was a stout defender, but Greg's not sitting there talking about being one of the top 20 greatest players of all time like Claudio Reyna is. So when Claudio's kid is not being played at the under-17s, he comes out and says some things. He's not being seen him as... Uh, the star that Christian came out as because of the under-21s and, and the success of these U.S. youth teams has been tremendous. Uh, I think there are a lot of bridges that were already starting to waver. But you're right. That leadership comment that came out, that it almost seemed like Greg, Greg wanted it to be out there, which I think was even a bigger sting to the Reynos, yeah, and probably why they made it personal. Um to look at it a dip bigger picture, though, because I do want to state what you said that I think is very important. Tyler and this team didn't allow it to affect them on the pl- on the pitch. That's let's, impressive. Let's look at the rest of this World Cup as our computers go. <laughs> um, there were other teams in similar situations that had turmoil going on. Let's look at Belgium. What happened to that team? That's the honestly. Talent for talent, one of the top five best teams in the world. Where were they during this World Cup? Certainly not playing together. There's a lot of crap behind their players and stuff. What about Mexico, our neighbors to the south? There's so much talent. We could talk about the last five years under their leadership, what's happened to them. They've Talk about a, a national team that's imploded. I mean, they didn't even bring Chitarito to the World Cup. I mean, he's iconic stature. I don't care if he was hurt or not. You bring the guy to the World Cup. Um, there are other teams that had those those huge falters. So Tyler and the players should not be let down. The, the big issue now is what you're talking about. How much of it is still in the room? How much will Gio bring this to the next manager? Or if there is a next manager, if Greg returns, what does that mean? Because if you're Gio Reyna... What he's done recently in this past week with his choice of celebration for goal scoring changes the narrative. That was a direct statement to something that Greg had talked about right after the World Cup about we don't have a player like Memphis Dupai. Well, Gio is awfully similar to Memphis on a wing, and Gio's a badass, and he proved it with what he's done. So him doing that sucking of the thumb if that's not a big fu to Greg, I don't know what is. And Gio did not do that prior to this. He only started this when he got back to Dortmund and probably lived up to what Tyler said. Just wait, bro. And then what does Gio do? Makes a statement. If I'm not the best scoring threat in the world for America, name him.
0: Let's let's take a quick break right there and let's come back and let's talk about all of the fallout that's happened after. We've really kind of only told half the story of this Uh there's a lot of uh there's a lot of behind the scenes things that we need to kind of touch on and get into and uh kind of all the fallout and basically what's turned into a, an extremely embarrassing moment for the u.s men's national team uh when really right now we should be talking about the excitement that we should be having for uh the next world cup right here in north america um so let's go ahead and take a quick ba- break and we'll come back here on uh, known to ramble noir Dun, dun, dun.
1: So, Josh, a part of this meltdown of the U.S. men's national team really comes down to two families kind of bickering. About something that may or may not have happened decades ago.
0: Um, it's almost like uh, it's almost like the soccer mom yelling about her kid not getting enough playing time, but like at a very high level. <laughs> yeah, this isn't about you. Didn't bring orange slices to the yeah. end of the game. You may have done
1: something violent to someone. Um, yeah, there was a an allegation made that popped up. I I think we both can admit to. Uh, A response from the reinas, in particular, uh, Claudio's wife, Danielle, I think in response to her son being called uh, a baby, let's be honest, by Greg. Immature, not willing to to listen to his coaching staff um, and having a hissy fit. She brought up uh, an incident uh, to the U.S. Men's National Team Committee that they had to look at. Um, It was a case of domestic violence. Uh, when Greg and his now wife Roslyn were uh, in college, I believe at um, so they were also at college with Danielle at North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, all of them. Um, and there was a kicking incident, and that has led to an investigation by the men's national team, supposedly into Berhalter. Uh, many different reports of of should that be looked into on another
0: level? Um, Yeah, it was, it was while they were at a bar, they got into kind of a heated debate. And while they were outside of the said bar in the debate, uh, while Greg was drunk, he kicked her in the legs. Um, he's, I believe it was multiple times, not uh, a few times and, um, leaving her with bruises. And according to him, they then broke off their relationship for, uh about i mean i think they didn't even get back together for like 18 months or something after that but during that time burr halter claims and i believe it's been proven that he was going he started attending therapy and going to different uh counseling sessions and stuff like that and uh appears that he really kind of realized that as a 19-year-old I did something very very dumb and tried tried to learn his lesson from it. So I'm not by no means am I condoning what he did, but um it seems and appeared to that during this story what he was uh, appearing to say at least from his side was that this is something that his him and his wife have worked through for almost 20, 20 years together and it it's it's a sad incident that is being now brought to light.
1: And also that, like you said, it was one that he obviously proved enough of remorse to her that they ended up getting back together and doing getting married. Not that that condones it or anything, but this wasn't certain that was on the radar at all. And from there, um, basically, it, it, it led to a couple of announcements just this past week, even um, the big first one that we don't know timing wise of who was going to announce what and who did what first, but. Claudio steps down as sporting director of Austin FC, and then Ernie leaves U.S. men's national team as sporting director, and then out of
0: left field, Brian McBride leaves as general manager. Which is surprising right now for both of them because we're right now at a point in time where they're having to renew contracts for the coach while we're about to be getting ready for some international you know friendlies right now that we're that they need to be playing it's not a time where even if you're someone who's looking to step away from from this responsibility who's looking to move on to the next job this isn't the time when you would do it you would like there, there's other like during the summer you know there's more time to, to to take care of this but it's obvious that right now this is being done because there's crisis and there's chaos right now you you at the u.s men's national team
1: this team was supposedly in talks for discussing with greg about re-signing even to that extent now whether ernie's leaving okay so he's left for i think a decent job i don't want to sit here and say ernie left for nothing ernie's going to psv eindhoven um that's one of the best teams in the world when it comes to business side of things and, you know, making talent. I mean, the Dutch league and the American soccer national team and everything have a lot of ties. A lot of their players played there. A lot of the players were have grown up there. Gio Reyna is named for Giovanni van Brockhorst, one of the great Dutch players who was best friends with Claudio Reyna. When he played in uh, the River the top flight for... Uh, the Dutch um, league. But when it comes down to like what this does for the national team right now, it is quite detrimental. There is a lot of big things coming up for this team. And we're starting to see, I think they were hoping to get a coach in by the summer. Now they're having to look for a sporting director, a GM, and then a coach. And if you're Greg Berhalter, there's offers for things out there now. What is he going to do? Would you wait if he's going to get an offer from Italy or somewhere else? I mean, if you're Greg, you might need to maximize it. Ernie left. Brian all of a sudden left. I mean, what's this weird implosion? I mean, it's – I don't know if it's a catalyst from just that argument that caused Ernie to do what he did, but Ernie's leaving – change the whole perspective of it thing and now it's opened up the doors to where is the US men's national team now on the opposite side the women have to be looking at this like geez this looks so stupid we've held together for 20 years not getting paid not getting recognized not getting any love we barely finally win a legal battle finally this past you know 18 months or so after showing to the world how much we were underpaid and we're the best team in the world, by the way. And we don't have a manager's leaving. We don't have a sporting director leaving. If you're the
0: U.S. women's national team, I'd be looking at the men going, stop crying, let's move on. And right when we get to the point where it's revenue sharing and yeah. they're, and they're, it's now being split 50-50, the men's national team is now in shambles. <laughs> so how are, they, you know, if anything, they're now not the uh, asset that they were thinking they're going to be. So it's just it's just surprising. It's it's ridiculous to watch and it's it's really sad that it kind of came about from a a mom calling in and basically being like I'm surprised that Burr Halter uh, is here making these comments about a 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid when he was 19 or 20-year-old he he made he made mistakes that are even worse that you know, if I were to bring to to light, he would get canceled for. And then after her making that kind of statement to the U.S. men's national team, well, they're like, well, we kind of got to look into it. We can't just sit there and not look into her saying that, saying something like that. And then that's when Halter preemptively comes forward with the story that he's now making public, and it's just a giant shit show. And it, well, and and
1: it 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 it's okay if it's a shit show up until the moment Ernie Stewart resigns. That's a game changer, Josh, because that's Ernie Stewart saying, I don't want to deal with this situation. I want to go work in PSV Eindhoven, which look, I can understand you sitting there after a while being like, man, I could go work in a Dutch league. I, I know that country. I know that scenario. It's not the first team from the Dutch league that's come after Ernie a couple years ago. Another one did too, but the timing of it, if you're Ernie Stewart, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's a whole other thing. It, it puts the whole team now into turmoil because you you can't even hire someone to be coach because you don't even know who's going to hire your coach. Who do you bring in as sporting director? Are you going to bring in someone that knows these guys? Like who are you going to bring in? Let, I mean, I, you know, claudio leaving austin they're, they're ties to Burhalter in the mls still what, what is claudio going to do he's a technical advisor what does that even mean he was sporting director and he had incredible change austin sucked two years ago claudio comes in and they find kids i've never even heard of and austin's awesome now claudio reyna knows what he's doing there's no way he can be attached to the u.s men's nope. national team ever nope. um whether people are going to That's one reason why I don't want it to be like, ooh, this woman came out of left field. No. Uh, She may have blown up Greg Berhalter's scene, but the blowing up of the U.S. men's national team goes to a lot of bigger names, goes to a lot of different people. And I'm sorry, one mother who's angry about playing time is not going to blow up a national team. It certainly didn't blow up the Argentinian team when Messi's dad basically... Uh, tried to tell everyone that he didn't want his son to even play for Argentina anymore. Like, yeah. I mean, there are True. there are p- plenty of great players who've had mothers and dads cause, you know, we see in the NBA quite a bit um, with one family in particular, the balls. So it's like, I can understand the argument being made. Danielle caused this. But in the end, uh, this is so much bigger now. It's so much more impactful. And will it impact the U S men's national world cup run for 2026. That's the scary situation. Cause I think both feels even, like it already is. Were we not predicting? I mean, I think I've told you how many times men team in 2026 can win the whole thing. I don't know if that's true. If they don't bring in the
0: right coach. True. And that's scary. So the last time we, we actually sat down and talked, we did talk about, you know, the, the men's coach, the U.S. Men's National Team contract is about to be up for Berhalter. I'm doing it again because now the now the seat is vacant, Gotti. So I'm officially putting you in the seat. You are the sporting director. You are the GM. You've now taken both roles, so you're getting paid twice as much. Ooh, I like it. Uh, sorry, Brian, but I'll take. But that being said, cash. your first your first candidate Zidane. He's not. He's not coming. He's already said he's not doing it.
1: Yeah, and I think the second candidate that we leaked out there also said no Jose. <laughs> but let's not talk about Jose.
0: So, who do you, who are you now hiring for coach who Who are you sending out? Uh, who are you sending out contract offers to? So,
1: if I'm looking at a group of candidates, because I'm not just going to pick one name, I'm going to look at the yeah, whole. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Give me a list of candidates.
1: So, if we're going on the same level of Zidane and Jose and these bigger named kind of stupid thought process. I'm going to bring in a name that's not as crazy, but will sound crazy the moment I say it, but Marcelo. Bielsa. Bielsa's uh, long history of great coaching, he is also a very short-term coach, very yes. similar to Jose. In fact, his reign under teams is even shorter than Jose's, which it's, isn't it an under an average of three years? He's never lasted more than four, yeah, certainly three. Like that. Um, the difference is Marcelo has a lot of ties to this American club. He's had ties to this particular job in particular all the way back before Jurgen. So Marcelo knows american soccer he knows the american public's reaction to soccer he is an exciting coach as far as like would it be a game changer if you brought in marcelo yes it would and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but like (laughs) boy if i'm going for big statement i think marcelo is an attractive name then you got to look at okay who are we looking at for the america side keeping america strong keeping this national team an American team. If you want to do that type of boastful thing, I'm not talking just American coaches, but these first three will be American in Philadelphia is Jim Curtin, um, the union, the union have been great under him. He's built a team out of nothing into honestly winners. Um, It's also a great Pennsylvania feel for the American team with Christian and a couple of the guys coming from that kind of steel country. It's a great selling point to a kind of, every man style that maybe the American team needs um, but I, I I think Jim's up there. Um, the other two kind of ones uh, for laFC who just won the MLS title, Steven uh, Torundolo, who will be very similar to Burhalter was a American defender. Um, he's quite beloved he's kind of young though as far as coaching um, but he did just win with LA so maybe he's right there. Uh, if you're talking about keeping with the team, Tab Ramos' name has to be thrown out there. He hasn't had a lot of success recently, especially with Houston. He didn't do very well there. But Tab Ramos knows all these guys. He's been a part of the youth teams. He's been a part of knowing the MLS. He knows European soccer. Tab Ramos, similar to Claudio, is a very well-respected player in his own right, and I think someone that a lot of people respect. He also knows a lot of these players. He could be someone that could come in, work with Cindy, who's over the whole U.S., soccer thing and really be able to maybe bring like a, a, a comfort to it. Like I know what happened. I don't want to let it happen again. The other kind of interesting name as far as like American connections is you, you'd have to go back to there. There's always great MLS clubs. Um, Peter Vermeer's, what he did for Kansas City over the decades is pretty impressive. There are a lot of names, but if you're asking me, Josh, who do I want, I'm not picking any of those guys. I'm going to go outside the box. I want I want someone that's going to look at these groups of players and this group of talent and honestly game-change it. Um, Marcelo is, is, is as close to sexy as I can think of, but... I'm praying, I hate to say this, but I'm hoping one of two teams gets relegated in the English Premier League. It's either going to be Leeds or it's going to be, what's my other team, Watford, wherever David Wagner is, Um, because the coaches I want are Jesse Marsh or David Wagner. Whoa. Jesse Marsh would be 100% the single best option for manager for the U S men's national team under this turmoil system. He is extremely connected to our captain and a lot of these players. He is also not very friendly with the other group of American guys. He is his own trumpeteer, his own guy. He's a fiery as hell coach. Uh, and I, I'm I'm afraid he won't be available cuz I don't think Leeds will get relegated.
0: I I think there is a chance that even if they don't get relegated he could still be available though cuz they I will say there's a lot of there's a lot of hate for Jesse Marsh from like the Leeds community that isn't the American Leeds community like we all love him. We want we want to give him some time but the like the Brits are not happy. <laughs> well,
1: jesse's jesse doesn't care yeah and absolutely. i think that has a lot to statement i uh, will jesse marsh I would be it. leader of the i i would love it i don't think there's any way in hell he gets picked uh, yeah. he's too if we think Marcelo is out there how do you feel about jesse jesse's not even close with these people yeah i mean you know, people may say he is but i i just don't see it he's never had those close tie-ins i mean i'll throw another name out there since i brought up wagner wagner's a great choice um He's not with Watford. He's with Norwich now. He keeps tossing around. He's that little uh, German fellow that's just angry. I lo- he's like a Jurgen Klopp Jr. I, I really think <laughs> he could be a star for the team. But uh, I'm I'm making a move to Florida, and there's a fellow down in Orlando that I think would be quite amazing just tactically. Uh, I think Oscar Perea could bring out the best talent out of this group. I think he's a voice that isn't a part of that old guard. Uh, he also could bring in a lot of the talent we haven't really looked at, which is our, you know, a lot of our players who play in South America, a lot of players who play in Mexico, a lot of our talent who um, have dual nationality for that. I, I think we've done great with players like Serginho Dest and finding some of the talent all around the world. But like a player that we just got to see on the U.S. men's national team, uh, Zendeas, who has ties to FC Dallas, I would love to spe- see a Spanish speaking. Manager, a part of the U.S. men's national team. I think Oscar, Marcelo, these people um, have a more global statement that they can make than I think some of these Americans. Jesse would be in that same level, though. I put him there. His years in Europe are very important. What he was able to do with not just one Aronson brother, but I think it's led to the little brother being a talent too um, in going through his own little run. I, I think there's so much talent with this men's national team we have to look outside the box and if we go back to anyone connected to this group of people we will not win a world cup
0: i can agree with that i think i think we need a regime change it feels like we already got i mean you don't want to keep going back to the same pool you don't want to keep going back to the same group so i'm with you let's shake things up and let's see what happens and you know, we'll be sitting here watching the whole time. We'll we'll be ready to talk about it. Um, but we are very very grateful to all of you guys for joining us here on Known to Ramble Noir. Uh, I want to I want to have you say one thing because you
1: said something bold when we were just talking about stuff earlier. You brought up a name for sporting director. I want you to go ahead and say that name because I honestly like. That figure is caused a lot of problems for a lot of American like soccer fans. But like I think, honestly, now that I keep thinking about it, it would take someone as bold as that feller to go in there and make a great choice. Just tell me who you think should be the new either GM or sporting director.
0: I was 100% joking, but I made the joke. Alexi Lawless taking over. Alexi, take over.
1: Make all these other fools look as stupid as they have looked. I don't think Alexi cares about any of those other dudes. <laughs> I think Alexi has built the MLS into something really special with with Don Garber and that team. And I think I know you were joking, but that's the perfect type of person to step in from a quiet Brian McBride reign, which was great. We love Brian. But God, I want to see that fiery redhead in there blowing shit up because he'll bring in who knows, Roberto Martinez. He might bring in whoever it managed. I don't even know yeah i say let's bring in alexi because you know what those kids
0: will listen to his fiery ass any day of the week talk about controversial talk about plenty more episodes in the making we need it we need the chaos that'd be awesome so i yeah (laughs) i was totally joking but it would be a ton of fun i mean it would it would lead to plenty of hot takes that's for sure a lot of pissed off you <laughs> um well as always thank you guys so much for joining us here on known to Ramble Noir uh make sure to check us out on Instagram at known to Ramble and on Twitter at K the number two R pod uh we appreciate you for joining us sorry for the little hiatus that we had over over the holiday season but we are back and uh yeah we're here for you
1: 2023.